What's up, guys? How y'all doing, Coastal? That's why I like you got some energy up in here this morning. Man, my name is Craig. I'm one of the pastors here at, at Coastal Community Church. But man, can we just honor our pastor, TJ McCormick? Where's he at? Big dog. Give it up for him, man. Without that dude, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. So I just want to honor him and say thank you so much, brother, for giving me the opportunity. And I'm not going to cry because last week he said I'm a crier, and I'm not going to do it. But that's okay. I have compassion. He said he didn't like people. I like people. That's all good. But hey, uh, this morning we're going to wrap up our series, uh, which is called All In. I love this series, man, because it really reflects who we are as a church. And one of the core values as a church, man, we believe that found people find people. What that means is, man, we were once lost and we were searching and we were looking for something. And, man, someone pushes his man named Jesus Christ and, man, we were found. And now it's our opportunity to give that same life change and that opportunity to other people. And once we are found and we find people, man, we also serve them because we believe that saved people serve people, man. We go out in the community and we, and we just love on the lost. We go to the people that don't, that go into communities that people just don't want to go into, man. We just serve them and love on them. And not only is that going to change our heart, but it's going to change the heart of the people that we continue to serve. And it was just about, I guess about a year and a half, two years ago, that TJ came to us as a staff. He said, man, God's put it on my heart to plant a church in Pompano Beach. We said, man, that's a great idea. But if you don't know me and TJ, we don't always agree on everything. I'm just going to be completely honest with you, like no joke. And it probably has something to do with me having hair, and he's a little jealous, but that's okay. But, man, I, I went to him, I was like, man, why, why, why do you want to plant a church in Pompano Beach, man? There's so many other churches in that community, and we have it so good here in Coconut Creek. We're a fast-growing church. Man, we're seeing lives change every single Sunday. We're seeing lives change through our connect groups and our outreaches. Man, we are comfortable. Why do you think we should plant another church? And then he told me this fact that when him and Shayla planted the church in, in uh, 2009, Fort Lauderdale area, South Florida area, was 94% unchurched which means that 6% of the South Florida area had the church home and attended church services on Sunday. And then just a year and a half, two years later, the unchurched number grew to 97%. And that's where we stand right now. 3% of this community, what we call South Florida, attend services on Sunday morning. Man, that's when my heart broke. And I was like, you know what? I agree, man. We need to reach more people. And the only way to do that is we need to take church to them, and we pushed all of our chips to the, to the middle of the table said, we're going all in. We're going to risk it all because we know God has called us here to a people to change a community. And today we're going to look at how we can work together and support the mission of loving people to Christ, and we have a great example of that in the Bible. It's a story of four men that brought a paralyzed man to Jesus, and this story was so important, it was covered in three parts of the Bible. It was covered in Matthew 9, Mark 2, and Luke 5, and we're going to look at it in Mark 2 this morning, so if you guys have your Bibles or you guys can look in your worship guides we're up on the screen. We're going to start with Mark 2, verse 1. It says, Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news of his arrival quickly spread through the town. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with the visitors, there wasn't enough room for one more person, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they dug through the clay roof above his head. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there said to themselves, What? That is blasphemy. Who but God can forgive sins? And Jesus knew exactly what they were discussing amongst themselves, so he said to them, Why do you think that is blasphemy? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or get up, pick up your mat, and walk? And I will prove that. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, Stand up, take your mat, and go home, because you are healed. The man jumped up, took the mat, and pushed 
his way through the stunned onlookers. Then they all praise God. We've never seen anything like this before, they explain. And from this story, we see seven life-changing principles on how we can reach people and bring them to Jesus. So what were those seven principles? The, the first one was, man, they became concerned for their hurting friend. They had compassion for their friend. And helping others find Christ has to flow out of compassion and out of love. And people don't care how much you know until they know how much that you care. And they want to know how much you love them before you even bring them to Christ. They want to know how much you care and how much you love them. Because being concerned and caring is what God does. In Romans 15, 2, it says, let, us, let each of us please our neighbors for their good to help them be stronger in a faith. And man, as a, as a worldly culture, we're a my culture. It's all about me, me, me. My problems, my needs, my schedule, my vacation, my job. It's all about me. But you'll never bring anybody to Jesus until you get concerned for the people who don't know him. And let's take a look at marriage, for example. Marriage never works if it's built on selfishness. If you're always worried about yourself and not the needs of your spouse. A couple of your husbands probably got that little nudge to the rib cage like that, like, wake up, did you hear that? But I, I'm living proof of that, man. My, my marriage failed solely due to me being selfish and not looking out for the needs of my spouse, but only looking out for myself. But the good news is, man, we can develop that type of awareness and compassion through prayer. In Colossians 4.3, it says, pray that God will give us an opportunity to tell people his message. And there's a, a prayer that I pray, and I'll be honest, I hate to pray it. Because every time I pray it, it comes true. I don't know if you guys have those type of prayers. But it's like, man, I wake up in the morning, and I don't do this every morning. I know I should, and you guys should too. But I'll pray in the morning. I'm like, God, man, use me today. Put somebody in my life, in my path today, that I can help make an impact. And, man, every time I pray that prayer, God does that. And it's not always at the best time, but it's not on my time. It's on God's. And one day I was having a horrible day at work. Man, I was just struggling. I said, you know what, man? peace out. I got to go get something to eat. I'm going to just hang out for 45 minutes, an hour. So if you want to go eat lunch by yourself, where do you go eat lunch? Subway. I mean, no one ever goes to Subway anymore. I don't know if you've been to a Subway lately, but that place is vacant. So I'm in the corner, tucked away in the corner all by myself, eating my foot long for $5 because it's cheap and I'm a cheap person. And man, just, just taking the time to kind of recoup from, from a, a bad day and just take some time to myself and I hear the ding, you know, the ding on the subway doors, ding. And as soon as I heard that, I look up, and it's Chuck. Chuck walks in. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, good. He went and got his sandwich, and I'm just eating away, kind of ignoring him, hope he doesn't see me because I'm having a bad day. And he walks right up to me. He said, hey, man, do you have a few minutes? You mind if I just sit here and eat? I said, man, absolutely. He sat down for a half an hour. He just kind of shared what he was going through. And I already knew the story and kind of what was going on in his life, man, and I could just speak into him. And I've gone through the similar situation, and man, we sat there and prayed, and that dude just left there hyped and ready to go take on the world. But I took the opportunity, and I cared for Chuck and knew his situation, and God put him in my path that day. Because if you don't care, you won't be aware. And how do you know if you really care? You become aware of the needs. If you care, you'll be aware. If you don't care, you will not be aware. And right now, you're asking yourself, well, I don't know the, the needs of my neighbor. Well, guess what? You probably don't care about your neighbor. Or I don't know the needs of the person that sits next to me at work. Well, guess what? You probably don't care about the person that you work with. And if you care, you'll be aware because awareness is the evidence of caring. But having compassion wasn't the only thing they did for the paralyzed man. And they believed that Jesus would save their friend, and they had faith. In Mark 2, 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are 
forgiven. Now, when Jesus said that, whose faith was he talking about? He was talking about the friend's faith. He said their faith. They were the ones that brought him to Jesus. This man was paralyzed. He couldn't bring himself to Jesus. So he was talking about their faith. And there's a very important principle to this because a lot of people are paralyzed in life. They're paralyzed by fear. We all know that guy at work. Every, every day you show up, you're like, hey, did you hear about Stacey in your county? She got fired. Do you think I'm next? Did you hear anything? Maybe I'm going to get fired next. Did you hear anything? Every day when you're going to work, you know that person. Or they're, they're paralyzed by guilt, something that they did 15, 20 years ago that they can't get past. And they're just beating themselves up on the inside. And shame is just eating them alive. Or they're paralyzed by resentments, by something that someone else did to them. And they haven't forgiven them. And they're not going to let that go. And it's just tearing them up on the inside. Or they're paralyzed by loneliness. We all know those people. They just like to lock themselves up in a room and create thoughts to themselves that aren't true. Just to make themselves feel lonely. So your faith is going to have to bring them to Jesus. And it says that they believed that Jesus could and would save their friends. So they brought him to Jesus. Because Mark 9.23 says anything is possible if you have faith. And I don't know how it works for you guys, but... Man, when I expect or I believe or I have faith that someone's going to get saved or someone's going to be changed, it happens. And we are on our way to an outreach about, I don't know, I guess about a year and a half ago. We do a lot of outreaches in Collier City. We're in there about twice a month now. And as I was pulling into Collier City, I'm pulling the trailer with my, with my truck, and I look to the right, and there's a woman sitting on a rock. And she got her hands just, her head buried in her hands. Man, in the, at that instant, God's like, man, you need to go help her. Man, I pull into Collier City, I hop out of the truck, and I grab Susie, who's one of our awesome volunteers from Coconut Creek and a huge part of our outreach team. I said, Susie, man, you got to go get that lady on the corner. She's like, what lady? I'm like, there's a lady sitting on a rock on the corner. Go get her. She's like, okay. So she comes about, back about five minutes later, and I don't know if you guys know Susie, but she's a little hyper. Um, she gets a little excited about stuff, and some people call me, I'm, tell me a little too serious. They call me serious. I call it mature. I'm a little older. But so Susie hops out of the car. She says, okay, I got her. What now? I'm like, I don't know what we need to do. I was just told that we need to bring her here. So we, we go to get her out of the car, and we start talking to her, and she's kind of sharing her story about what's going on. And she actually had moved from, from up north, and she brought her kids and her boyfriend down. They were just looking for a better life. And long story short, she's at the point where she got her kids taken away. Two or three nights before that, her boyfriend abandoned her. She's just alone and on the streets. And didn't have anywhere to go. She's covered in marks from drugs and, and bruises from some other things. So Susie spent all afternoon just going and searching. We made phone calls to Kim Puritan, who's a great resource in our church. We were just like, man, how, how can we help this lady? Where can, where can we get her plugged in at? We get her plugged in at Broward Outreach Center, and she, she's involved in a program, about an eight- or nine-month program she has to commit to. We're like, cool, man, that's awesome, man. We, we, we follow God and what he told us to do. But then about two or three months later, we get a phone call, and Susie calls me. She says, man, Brandy, she's, she's leaving to go back up north. She's leaving the program. She's leaving. She's, she doesn't want to be here anymore. She wants to go rekindle that relationship with that man. I'm like, Susie, you just got to let her go. She's like, yeah, but we need to do something. I said, we're going to do something. We're going to have faith. We're going to pray that her life will be forever changed. And just about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, I think it was, Susie gets a text message from her, thanking her for saving her life that day. Because when she was sitting on that rock that day, she was waiting for just the right moment to dart out in the traffic and kill herself. But now her life is forever changed. She's being reunited with her kids. Her life is back on track, and that's because we believe and had faith and prayed for her nonstop. Have you ever had anybody who you thought was hopeless? That you thought that they were too far gone? Never would that person 
come to church with me. Never would that person give their life to Christ and commit their life to Christ. Well, that was me. Three years ago, that was me. I was the one they said was too far gone. I was the one that for 15 years ran away from God. I was the one that caused hurt to other people. But sometimes the person who seems the farthest away is actually the closest. So who's that person that God just put on your heart right now? That person you think is too far gone. You think, man, would they never come with me to church? Never would they, would they give their life back to Christ and commit what he has for their life. But you have to have faith because remember, sometimes the person who you think the farthest away is the person who is the closest. But along with faith, man, his friends took action. They didn't just pray for their friend. They brought him to Jesus. And it says in Mark 2, 3, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And we just need to make sure that we don't get too busy in life and we forget about those people. And that's what we do. In this my culture, in this my time, my schedule, a day could go by, a week could go by, a month could go by. Next thing you know, it's a decade. And you know what? Next thing, they're gone. It's too late. And you never took the opportunity to share this life-giving person in Jesus Christ that could forever change their life. And we may be the only Jesus people ever see. We may be the only Jesus these people ever see. So that person that's, that's on your heart right now that you're thinking about, man, you need to take action. You need to call them as soon as you leave here today. You need to go by and stop and knock on the door. You need to schedule lunch or coffee and just love on them unconditionally. In Colossians 4, 5, it says, live wisely among those who are not Christians and make the most of every opportunity. As TJ mentioned, man, next week is Easter. One of the greatest days in history. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Like, we should all celebrate, right? Yeah, give it up. <laughs> it's also the time of year, either Christmas or Easter, when we invite people, they're more, most likely to show up, right? That's when we always get our invite cards out, Christmas, Easter, because we know the C&E is going to show up. But they have to be invited. And man, you know what? As I was uh, studying for this message, I looked up some statistics. And I found that only 2% of Christ followers have ever invited an unchurched person to church. 2%. That means the life change that we've seen and what Jesus Christ has done in our life, we are keeping to ourselves. And then I found another stat that said 7 out of 10 unchurched people have never been invited to church. They've never had the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I found another stat. Eight out of ten people who come to church at some point were personally invited by someone. So that means that I look up in this theater, 80% of you guys at some point during your life were invited to church, and that's why you're here today. And you do what you guys can only do, and that's invite your friends, invite your family, invite that neighbor whose dog craps on your yard every day and you don't like him. You do the inviting. And we'll do what only we can do, and that's present the gospel of Jesus in a life-giving way and watch as their lives are forever changed because of that. But you can't give up. You can't, and neither did the four friends of the paralyzed man. They didn't let circumstances discourage them, man. They had persistence. If you picture these guys, there's four guys, one on each side of the mat, and they're carrying them down the road trying to get them to Jesus. And they finally get there. They're thinking, man, we're almost there. Jesus is going to heal and save our friend. And they can't even get in the house. It's packed. They can't even get through the doorway. But they didn't let circumstances get in their way. They didn't let people or a building determine that they were going to get that man to Jesus. You know, and I told you the story about, it was actually December. 
a little over three years ago, December 2010, man, I checked myself out of a rehab facility. Didn't know if I want to live or die. And my dad showed up on the doorstep the next day. He said, man, uh, this was in Tampa at the time. He said, man, just come spend a few weeks with us over in Boca. He said, just get away from everything. You're going through divorce. You're losing businesses. Let's just get you away for a while. I said, man, you're right. I just need to come get away for a while. I just need to, to get away. And when I, when I lived there, every single Sunday morning, my stepmom would knock on my door about 7.30, 8 o'clock. Time to go to church. I'm like, first of all, moms, I'm 34 years old. I make my own decisions, and I go right back to sleep. And about five minutes later, knock on the door, then the door would open. Craig, time to go to church. I'm good. Man, you guys go. I'll, I'll have, meet you at lunch. Third time, knock on the door, door open, fling the covers off. Time to go to church. Get up. So my dad would physically have to drag me out of bed every single Sunday to come to church. But they knew all they had to do was get me to Jesus, and my life would be forever changed. And let me ask you a question. What discourages you guys from bringing people to Jesus? What discourages you? Is it, is it criticism? I don't think it's it. I think it's the fear of criticism. It's the fear that discourages us time after time after time. So when you ask your friend to church and they say no, are you ever going to ask them again? Of course you are. You're not going to get stirred. You know that inviting your friend to church and bringing him to this man called Jesus Christ can forever change his life. Don't get discouraged. Keep inviting him. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not get tired of what is doing right. For after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Don't look at circumstances. Don't give up. If you say no, go back to praying and keep inviting them. And sometimes you may have to think outside the box like his friends did, man. They dared to do something different. They were innovative. They were innovative. In Mark 2, 4, it says, They couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they dug through the clay roof above his head. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And just imagine, picture this. you got a house full of people. you got people looking in the windows. you got overflow outside. And you got Jesus in the middle preaching. And then all of a sudden you hear something on the roof. And you're like, oh, it's a cat. Somebody shoot it. They should be all dead. Sorry for you cat lovers, but I don't like cats. They don't think anything about it. And then all of a sudden you start hearing some, some, you, some clay starts to fall down. Then Jesus does a little, just a shoulder off, and he's good. And then all of a sudden the roof opens, and these people are just, this guy is right in front of Jesus, man. They had dared to do something different. They were innovative. And sometimes we have to be innovative. And Coles Community Church is all about innovative, man. We will do whatever it takes to win someone to Christ. And Pastor TJ tells us all the time as a staff, and he'll even get up on stage and say, you know what, we'll do anything short of sin to bring one more to Christ. Because we as a church exist to reach people. And we believe people are always more important than buildings. A building is not a church. A church is not a building. A church is a people. And buildings are not minus to be worshipped. They're tools to be used to bring people to Christ. And man, we would rather never have a building if it meant we're not, if we're going to stop spending money to reach people. Because that's not what we're all about. We're all about reaching people. And you know what? We're pretty innovative, I think. Who else in South Florida is meeting in a movie theater on Sunday mornings for church? Anybody name anyone? That's pretty innovative, right? Like, we're going to think outside the box. In Hebrews 10 24, it says, let's see how innovative we can be in encouraging love and helping out. And man, we love to reach people. We serve in the inner city communities. Man, we go into Collier City twice every single month. That is a hurting and lost community that people have forgotten about. 
Broward Sheriff's Department, we were in there one day, told us they don't even like to go in here anymore. And they're asking why we're in there. I said, you know why? Because everyone else has forgotten about them, so have you guys. But God has not, and we haven't either. We serve at foster care villages, like TJ mentioned earlier, man. We're doing an Easter egg hunt for 70 to 75 foster care kids that don't get to see their mom and dad on Easter Sunday. Next month, we're going to be partnering with Broward Outreach to serve food to the homeless. That's where Jesus would want to be. He would even be the, the ultimate broken, the lost, the people that don't have anything. That's exactly where Jesus would want to be. And I don't know if you guys have heard this crazy thing, but in July, they're making me live on a 50-foot lift in the air for three, four, five days, however long it takes for us to raise 3,000 backpacks for the unfortunate kids in South Florida. That's thinking outside the box, isn't it? That's being a little innovative. But you know what? I don't know if you guys know in July in Florida, it's about 98 degrees. It rains nonstop. And my kids are going to be here on summer break. So I expect all y'all to buy some backpacks so I can get down after a few days. But we'll do whatever it takes to reach one more. But, man, I have a question for all of you guys. Have you ever gone the roof through the roof for anyone? Have you ever gone through the roof for anyone? You're probably thinking, man, that takes some extreme faith. And you know what it does. But sometimes it takes extreme faith to reach some people for Jesus. Some people are not going to be won by weak faith. It's going to take extreme measures and extreme faith and extreme ways to get that guy to Jesus because he's so paralyzed. He can't do it on his own. So are you willing to go through the roof for your family or friend, that person that God's been putting on your heart for the last week, the person that God put on your heart this morning. But here's the good news. You don't have to go through the, lo- through the roof alone, and neither did the four friends. We worked, they worked together to get the job done, man. They had partnership. They partnered together to get their friend to Jesus. And we're only going to reach this area for Jesus if we work together. Some people are never going to come to church if there's just one single person inviting them or telling them about Christ. And if you guys remember the story of my stepmom dragging me to church, that invite actually started with my brother who lives a thousand miles away in Lexington, Kentucky. Email me one day after I had um, moved down here. He knew I was going to be here for a few weeks. He's like, man, you got to go check out this place called Coastal Community Church. He said, it's part of the same organization called ARC that my church is a part of, man. This place forever changed my life. I think you know, check it out. Because of where I was in my walk with Christ, man, delete, move on. I don't need that. But it wasn't until my brother talked to my stepmom, who basically drug me there one Sunday, that my life was forever changed just after a few months of attending. It took the partnership in them both to get me to a place they knew would forever change my life and bring me to that relationship with Jesus Christ, which is exactly what I need. So if we're going to impact this area for God, if we're going to change this lost and hurting community, and that's exactly what this place is. There's some hurting people here. We've got to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's going, to take, that's going to take you to take one corner of the mat and be willing to work together. And it says in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we get here and what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Jesus Christ as a cornerstone. He's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone at Jesus Christ as a cornerstone. And I just want to tell you guys this morning, man, you have a place. You're important. And God needs you. 
You know what? We here at Coastal need you. And I bet you guys didn't realize that people get here at 7 a.m. to turn this theater into a church. Man, those people need you. Or with those people that serve week in and week out in Coastal Kids, sharing Jesus Christ and helping them develop a relationship at a young age, those people need you. The communities that we go into in, in Pompano and Coconut Creek and Deerfield Beach and do outreaches to reach the people, those people absolutely need you. Because we want you to become who God fully intended you to be. And you have a place here and you are important to what God's trying to do in this community. But that doesn't mean it won't come without a cost. Because his friends had to sacrifice. And if you think about this story, so these guys rip a hole through a roof for someone, someone's house they don't even know. So who paid to repair the roof? Does anybody have any idea? Like, do you just go into somebody's house, punch holes in walls, and leave? No. But you know what they said? We don't care what it costs. We don't care what it costs. We're going to get our friend to Jesus because we know that he can heal and save our friend. And here's the principle, man. There's always a cost of bringing people to Jesus. Always a cost. In time, in money, in energy, in effort, there's always a cost. And, man, we find the ultimate cost and sacrifice in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that gave his only son, so that everyone that believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So if you guys love, you'll give. You'll give of your time. You'll give of your energy. You'll give of your effort. You'll give of your money. Man, it always comes back to Christmas. Why do you guys shower your friends and family with, with gifts? Because you love them, right? And it may cost you financially. It may even put you into debt. But you want to make sure that those people know how much you love them. Doesn't matter if it suffer, you suffer financially. Doesn't matter if they get something that you want. You're willing to pay the cost. And the kingdom of God is built on selfless people. It takes unselfish people to reach people for Christ. And there's a story of this guy named Tony Campolo, who is a sociologist professor, and he's also a pastor from Pennsylvania. And he was on a speaking engagement in Honolulu, Hawaii. And because of the time difference between Pennsylvania and Hawaii, he couldn't sleep one night. So he's walking the streets of Honolulu trying to find something to eat because he's starving. And everything in Honolulu at 3 a.m. is closed. So he finds this little diner down a side street, and he walks in. It's a real small place, just has a couple stools and a little bar. He says it's probably the dirtiest place he's ever seen in his life. He didn't even put his hands on the counter. There's a guy behind the, the counter with a cigar in his mouth. His name's Harry. He said, what can I get you? Tony said, man, I'll, I'll take a donut and a cup of coffee. So Harry takes the cigar out of his mouth, puts it down, wipes his hand off, and grabs a donut. Awesome. A little cigar juice donut. And Tony's sitting there... <laughs> Drinking his coffee and eating a donut a few minutes later, eight or nine prostitutes from the streets of Honolulu walk in. Because the place is so small, they kind of sit next to him, and he's just trying to hide at this point. He's trying to stay out of the way. A pastor and nine prostitutes in a diner. Sounds like a real good joke that you come out of that. And he's just sitting there listening to him. The, the lady next to him said, told her friend, she's like, it's my birthday tomorrow. I turned 39. She was so excited. And her friend said, well, what do you want me to do about it? You want me to bake you a cake, throw you a party? Like, who cares? She's like, well, you know what? I've never had a birthday party before. I've never even had a birthday cake. And that just broke Tony's heart. So he waited till the prostitutes left and called Harry over, and he said, Harry, who's the woman who's sitting next to me? 
He said, her name's Agnes. He said, is she coming here very often? He said, yeah, she comes in here every night. He said, you know what? I want to throw a birthday party for her. He's like, are you kidding me? He runs in the kitchen, goes to get his wife. Hey, this guy wants to throw a birthday party for Agnes. She's like, I'll decorate the place up. He said, nope, I'll do it. I'll decorate the place. Harry said, you know what? I'll bake the cake. So Tony leaves there that, that night, comes back the next morning, 2.30, decorates the place all up. Harry's wife told every prostitute in Honolulu to come to this party. So there's a pastor and about 20 prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu, Hawaii. And about 3.15 in the morning, the door slings open as Agnes. They shout, happy birthday. And she's so excited, she almost falls to her knees. They get her on a, on a stool, and they sing happy birthday to her. And Harry brings out over the cake and gives her the knife, and she's so emotional, she can't even talk. And she's holding back tears, and she said, you know, I don't know if I want to cut the cake. I've never had a birthday cake before. So she looks at Tony. She, at this point, knew that Tony had thrown the party for her. She said, sir, you mind if I just keep the cake? He said, ma'am, it's your cake. You can do whatever you want. She's like, well, I'd like to take this cake home and show my mom. He's like, absolutely. She's like, I'll be right back. He's like, do you have to do it right now? I mean, we're in the middle of a birthday party. She's like, sir, I live two doors down. I'm just going to take this cake, go show my mom. I'll be right back. She leaves, and Tony's in there, and he said it was just silent. So what's a pastor do when you're in a diner with 20 prostitutes? You pray, right? What else are you going to do? So he says this amazing prayer, and he finishes the prayer, and goes to sit back at the counter, and Harry He's kind of upset at the point. He goes, Tony, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. You told me you were a sociologist professor. He said, yeah, that's right. I'm a, I'm a preacher too. He said, well, what kind of church do you belong to? And Tony thought, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. You know what Harry said? He said, no, you don't. No, you don't. Those type of churches don't exist. Because if they did, I wouldn't want to be a part of it. And then that's exactly the type of church that Jesus Christ wants. He wants a church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. He wants a church to reach a community that no one else wants to reach. That's the type of church that we want to build here at Pompano Beach. We want people to be a part of a church that wants to reach the lost, the hurting, the rejected people that no one else wants. That's the people we want to reach. Because there's a ton of them out there. There's millions of people out there that don't attend a church service on Sunday morning. And they're lost, and they're hurting, and they're broken. And all they need to be is invited. That's it. Invite them. We'll do what we can do. We'll present the gospel of Jesus Christ in a life-giving way that will forever wreck their life. Just like it did mine. You're looking at a prime example. Three years ago, I didn't know if I wanted to live. Let me ask you a question. Who's that person God's put on your heart? Maybe it wasn't just today. He's been on your heart for the last month. You haven't picked up the phone call and said, man, I love you. Can we just hang out? I got some guys getting together to go play some home run derby, man. You want to come? I got some guys that are going to reach this community that no one else want to go into. You just want to check it out? Go serve some hot dogs to some kids. Love on them. 
That's the person you need to call today. Take action. And you know what? Maybe here today, you're that person. You're that person that, man, someone said, you're too far gone. There's no way that person would ever come to church with me. I'm not even going to invite him. There's no way that person would ever commit their life to Christ. That dude's heart is so hard. He's so selfish. That he could never change. But I'm here to tell you, you're looking at one of the most selfish persons there ever was. I didn't care about anybody. All I cared about was myself. But then, he's introduced to this man named Jesus Christ. And forever changed my life. And I probably have one of the softest hearts of anyone. TJ can make fun of me crying. I don't care. It's compassion. It's passion for people. If that's you this morning, man, I'm going to tell you right now, you can change. It takes one one thing. And that's asking this man, Jesus Christ, in your heart this morning. So let's pray. Father, thank you. that you forever changed a person like me. A person who was lost and hurting and broken, didn't have a reason to live just a few years ago. But because of you, Father, my heart has been softened. My life has been completely wrecked and ruined in an amazing way. Because I believed in you. And you told me in my past didn't matter. You could forgive me of that. I can move on from that. I'm a new creation in you. Man, if that's you today, if you're thinking, man, I'm too far gone. Everyone has given up on me. I've lost all hope. I'm here to tell you this morning, man, that can forever change. And all you have to do is ask the man named Jesus Christ in your heart. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Pray this prayer as I, your heart as I pray it out loud. Lord, forgive me. Father, I'm a sinner. I know not what I do, but I know that I've messed up. I've had a jacked up life and a jacked up past, but I know through you I can have a new beginning. God, I receive you as my Lord and Savior this morning. God, I know you're forever going to change my life and wreck me in such a way that I'm going to make an impact on other people. Because once you've been found, you can find other people and bring them to them, and they can have the same exact life change. Lord, we thank you so much for the lives that you continue to touch throughout this community by using us and using the church and using the people of this church. And we pray this in all of your name, Jesus. Amen.